So I'm going to be jumping around a lot uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes today. We're going to go pretty fast. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to I want to jump down to uh, I want to read all of chapter two to you. This is what chapter two says. I think it's important for us to read this entire chapter to kind of see this hard turn that the author's making. Here we go. This is what it says. I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. Uh, This part is not on the screen. So I want you to, as you're sitting there, just kind of absorb the words. Uh, And what I did is anytime it says the word meaningless, I replaced it with vapor. But that also... Uh, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be vapor. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water, groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female servants and had other servants who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. and all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was vapor, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes both of them. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is vapor. For the wise, like the fool, will not long be remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise must too die. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it was vapor, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This is vapor. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is vapor. And a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving which they labor under the sun? All the days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is vapor. Are you thoroughly depressed yet? (laughs) Right? 
this very cynical, jarring voice, this man who has accomplished great things, seen success that no one before him had seen, and he's realizing that in that moment, it's not leading to that place of utter fulfillment, because he's like, no matter what I build, I'm going to have to leave it to someone else. And I don't know what that person's going to do. I don't know whether they're going to be wise or foolish. Like, I'm going to leave this earth, and I'm going to have to pass it on to someone else, no matter what I build, no matter what I create, and who knows what they do with it. And many people think that the person who they're talking about here, the, 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 the words of this man is Solomon. And if you read uh, in the book of Kings in the Bible, uh, his successors did not do wise things after him. Right? So he knows he has to leave this to foolish people. And he's saying, this is like vapor. Right? We're, like I'm striving for all these things, pleasure, my work, these things that I, that I think should bring fulfillment to my life, and they're not. Because they're like smoke. They're mist. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. And so then he takes a hard right turn. And I think this is on the slide. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 24. He makes this enormously hard U-turn, and he says, A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This, too, I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment. Right? So he's saying all these big extravagant things. Right? It's vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And then he says simply, the gift that God is giving us is to eat, drink, and to find satisfaction in our work. And this isn't just one line that I'm pulling out of Ecclesiastes. This is a common theme that you find happening over and over and over again. I'm going to jump to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Uh, that's the uh, Pinterest Bible verse that everyone puts on their wall from the book of Ecclesiastes. Which is really interesting because uh, he's not actually saying this is an utterly positive thing. Because he's essentially saying God has placed this knowledge in us that we know things are bigger than we can understand. Right? We know that there, is, that there is eternity. Yet we can't grasp it. We can't fathom it. So we know there's something bigger. We just don't know what it is. We know God is doing something big and huge and extravagant in the universe, uh, but we can't grasp hold of it. And so it's that tension. It's that tension we have in our heart. What do we do with that? It's kind of like Job. It reminds me of that. When presented, uh, when God stands before Job, God just simply shows him the magnitude of his universe. Right? But we can't grasp fully what he is doing. And so that's the tension he's presenting. So then verse 12 says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. 
or trust him. Right? So the bold claim that Ecclesiastes is making is that God himself finds enjoyment when we find joy. That God wants us to find joy. And that when we do, that God actually enjoys it when we find enjoyment in what he's given us. And so the author, what he's trying to get us to do is he's trying to get us to see all these areas in our life that are just vapor and smoke, and he's trying to get us to focus on the things that matter. And he says the things that matter is to eat a good meal, to drink a good drink, and to, joy, and to find joy in whatever work is in front of you. And isn't that true? Think about work for a second. If you can find enjoyment when you're doing a menial task or something that is just backbreaking labor or maybe doesn't feel that important, pushing carts, right? if you can find enjoyment in that moment, you can find enjoyment when you find the job of your dreams. Because no matter what, even if you find the job of your dreams, I'm telling you, it's just like what it says in Ecclesiastes, it's going to lead you to a place at some point of anxiety and frustration and anger at times. Right? Believe it or not, this is my dream job. But there's a lot of nights that are sleepless for me. Like last Sunday, forgetting the trailer, be utterly frustrated and angry. And I told Kurt, I was like, I'm writing my resignation letter tomorrow. I'm done. It's over. Be a little bit of a drama queen, right? Because what it's trying to tell us is find enjoyment in the moment. Because essentially the moment is all we have. And so even if you don't have your dream job yet, whatever work is in front of you, find joy in that. Because if you can find joy in the present moment, no matter what you're doing, when you find your dream job, you're going to find enjoyment as well. Because if you can't be happy here, then you're not going to be happy here. Let's move on. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and everyone comes so they depart. They take nothing from their toil and they carry, and that they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All of their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is what I've observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Jump to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Here's something that happens all the time and makes no sense at all. I love that line. This little part I actually took from the message translation because I thought it was so good and cheeky. Good people get what's coming to the wicked, and bad people gets what get, is what, get what's coming to the good. I tell you, this makes no sense. It's smoke. It's vapor. It's hevel. Right? That the, that the bad people get what the good people deserve, and the good people get what the bad people deserve. Look around the world today. Isn't that true? We see this happening all the time. Verse 15, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, to drink, and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of life God has given them under the sun. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3. This is, the evil in, this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterwards, they join the dead. Right? It's not fair. Evil people die, good people die, everyone dies. It's not fair. But in light of that, verse 7, Go, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Basically, don't dress like you're going to a funeral and put some product in your hair. <laughs> All right? Verse 9, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this vapor life, here today, gone tomorrow, that God has given you under the sun. All of your vapor days, for this is your lot in life, and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Wake up, right? Wake up. Enjoy the moment. Eat a good meal. Love your wife. Spend time with your family. Right? Drink and be glad. And work with all of your might. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Light and sweet and it pleases the eye to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy it all. But let them remember the days of darkness. For there will be many. Everything to come is vapor. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. That's a good verse to live by, right? Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Follow it. Do it. Make it happen. Right? It's, Ecclesiastes isn't telling us to just live like, whatever, I'm living in the moment, who cares? It's like, no, if you see something, because life is fleeting, life is short, if you see something and your heart's like, man, I want to do that, do it. Go. Do it. Has a little bit of a caveat, the next line. <laughs> but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Right? This makes sense. It's like, follow your heart, but don't do bad things. Right? Don't be silly. Don't be an idiot. Don't be dumb. Because essentially God wants you and he wants us from the very beginning pages of the Bible to do good. He wants us to be a blessing to this world. That's a promise he gave to Abraham to, for his people to be a blessing to the world. And God is going to, God wants us to do those things. But if you're going to do bad, God's going to bring a new judgment for that. Then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor. They're vapor. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. Before the days of trouble come. I want us to step into this. We have to slow down. I think the world we live in today, it just wants us to go so fast. 
And before we know it, time's going to fly by. And we're going to be at the end. And so this author, he's trying to jar us awake. And even though it seems a little bit cynical, it seems a little bit negative at times, he's doing it as a wise teacher. Like good teachers do. They challenge us. They say things that aren't always easy for us to hear. But it jars us awake. And so he's trying to get us awake to be here in the present. And there's three bold claims that Ecclesiastes wants, a, wants to awaken us to. Uh, and that first one that it wants us to awaken us to uh, is the fact that, I think I have a slide here for that one, is that God takes pleasure when we enjoy life. That God created this for us to find enjoyment here and now today. Right? That he wants us to live this life and to find good things in this life. And that when we do, God enjoys that. The second big, bold claim that Ecclesiastes makes is that we are killing ourselves for vapor. We're killing ourselves for things that don't matter. We are pursuing things that look like they're full of meaning, but they're not. It's smoke, it's vapor, it's an illusion, it's a mask. And the third thing that Ecclesiastes is trying to get us to wake up to and make a bold claim of is essentially that, is to wake up. And the greatest gift is to be present in the moment, which is essentially what it's saying. It's like, eat a good meal, drink a good drink, and enjoy the work that's right in front of you. Because it's easy to focus on the past, and it's easy to focus on regrets, and it's easy to have anxiety and stress about the future. What the book is trying to do is saying, no, you're here right now. You have this moment. Enjoy it. Be here. Enjoy the sun on your face. Put your phone down. Enjoy the work that's in front of you. Turn the TV off. Enjoy the wife that you love. Have a good meal. Drink good drinks with friends and enjoy whatever work is right in front of you. It's to wake up and be present. And I think in any age, this one is one of the hardest to find that. There's so many things that want to just consume our time. And so we're left in this place and we got to ask ourselves these questions. How do I find joy? Right? How do I find joy? There's this... Uh, former Google engineer, his name is Chad Ming Tan, and he wrote, uh, he wrote about this concept called thin slices of joy that is essentially, uh, it's really changed my life and how I find joy. What he says is, uh, we need to live in life of practicing joy, finding a habit of joy. So instead of trying to pursue big, huge pleasures, find joy in little things. And so what he says is, find things throughout the day that give you three seconds of joy. So wake up in the morning and just lay there for three seconds and say, hmm, thank you for this bed. That first sip of coffee in the morning, isn't that the best sip of coffee? <laughs> My wife always jokes, she'll have a second cup of coffee, and she's like, dang it, this one isn't as good as the first. Why is it never as good as the first? Because it is that first sip of coffee in the morning 
right? It's that feeling of walking into an air-conditioned room when you're done cutting the grass. You're like, just focus on it for three seconds. And when we do that all throughout the day, is in that moment we are just being present to these thin slices of joy. What are those joys every day that you're walking right past? You're killing yourself for vapor. What is that thing in your life that you are saying, I want this so bad, I want this so bad, I want this so bad. But in the back of your mind, you know it's smoke. It's an illusion. It's not going to make you happy. And then the greatest gift is to just be present. Is just be here. Be present. Because essentially the moment, the present, is all we have. We, we, can, we can be filled with anxiety or stress about the f- past or stress about the future, but essentially all we have is here, now, this moment. Don't float through life because you're focusing so much on the past or the futures. Be here. The gift of God is the gift of life, the gift of breath, and life is short, life is fleeting, it's vapor. It's going to be over before you know it, so it's better to wake up now than 50 years from now. So where is God moving in your life today? What does he want to say to you? Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Let's figure that out together. God, open our hearts and our souls right now. Allow us to be here and to be present to feel the seat underneath us, our feet on the floor. God, where in our life, where in my life, am I pursuing vapor? God, where every day am I just walking past those thin slices of joy? Empower us, empower me, that as we leave here today, we find joy in the small things. Jesus, I thank you that 2,000 years ago you came not to just die, but to show us how to live. That you always lived a life, an unhurried life of being present, of seeing the people that were right in front of you. you spent so much time sharing tables and sharing meals with your neighbors, with people, with the outcasts and the pariahs. And so God, Jesus, help us to live that life of being fully present just like you lived. To be here to see all the joy in front of us, 
to see all those people that we get to invite around our table, all our neighbors that we get to be invited around their table, that we get to share our tools with. Because God, you have given us this gift, this beautiful gift of the moment of life. We are here. We are breathing. We are alive. God, thank you, Jesus, thank you. God, I thank you that your desire is always to be in community with us, in communion with us. And I love that at the end of your book, what's waiting for us is a feast, a banquet, a meal, good drink in heaven with you. And so God, my prayer today is for us to be a community that brings heaven to earth now. That we can be here in the present and see your kingdom come right now in our lives and in the world around us. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.